Do you remember when Kyle Allen was close to breaking the record <laughs> for most NFL passes thrown without an interception? Really? That yeah. Was, that was a thing? That was a thing. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that insane uh, how, to think that? How crazy things can turn in such a short amount of he time. He was only like seven passes away. Wow. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Because today. He almost, I, I swear he almost broke the Panthers the record, record for most, most in the game. Yeah. <laughs> One got overturned. And you know what? I wouldn't have cared if, if it stood. I don't even, I don't even know anymore, man. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unobstruction. It's just me and Jamal, the angry black fan. I'm Kaiser Solse. And uh, we're, I mean. This is going to be, let, can, let me, let me confess something to our fans this is going to be a tough show for multiple reasons number one we don't have our guys here obviously it's just us two yeah you know we're not used to it just being two guys but the reason the, another reason why it's going to be so tough is because what the hell do you say after a game like that man after a game now don't let the score fool you please don't because the game was terrible i know the panthers only lost by a single score and we called it we're watching the game we, right we're like, watch when garbage time comes. <laughs> Kyle Allen's going to turn into Tom Brady all of a sudden. And the Panthers are going to make a game of it. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And our defense was so tired that they couldn't stop the Seahawks, you know, when they needed to from getting the, the first down So at the end of the game. So. What's really interesting is, so let's look at the first quarter, okay? And the first quarter was marred by defensive mistakes if we yes. if you want to call it that mainly a lot of them came from one guy who we're not going to mention by name maybe later right now let's just say there were a couple of lapses in the secondary is that fair to say in the first quarter so we had a couple of defensive lapses you know we get down what 13-0 really quickly and right after that you can't say the defense played bad. I don't think they did, actually. They didn't uh, really play bad. They, they had some, you know, our run defense is still At an, least on the be desired. Yeah, and, and, but that ended up being what Seattle leaned on. Later. And, yeah, they, they, they had some gashes, but I thought Seattle would score like 40 points. We, and, we all predicted and it. And they were on pace to do so right. in the first half. The defense kind of tightened up. Uh, we saw some good plays from Shaq Thompson. Um, we saw some good pressure from the defensive line, which was to be expected against Seattle's offensive line, which is uh, probably as bad as ours is. Um, <laughs> and But the offense couldn't deliver. They got within field goal range three times and turned the ball over every time. No, 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 no. We got in the field goal range three times, and Kyle Allen <laughs> turned the ball over three times. Let's be – So, all right, so – One of those, okay, okay. One of those Kyle Allen uh, supporters will say that it wasn't his fault. The ball got tipped at the line of scrimmage. It went over Chris Hogan's head, or, or I believe McCaffrey? it was it was McCaffrey, McCaffrey I believe, and yeah. KJ Wright picked it off. The K problem KJ is, Wright might have been our second best, best receiver. receiver. Yeah, <laughs> such a great chemistry he had with <laughs> Kyle Allen today. Um, but what happened that play is if your quarterback can only make one read it's easy to tip those balls because you know where he's going with the ball we even saw on a play action where he didn't <laughs> he, he didn't even look the guy off. listen 
<laughs> let's be football nerds for a second. So for those of y'all who who are into this kind of stuff, there was a play where Kyle Allen was 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 uh, they were running the play action, and on a fake handoff, what you're supposed to do is sell the handoff. Right. Kyle Allen was looking at the receiver he was going to throw to the entire time. <laughs> That almost got picked off. Now, yeah. luckily, that one didn't get picked off. Of course, Seattle didn't. I mean, Seattle's defense is, is too good. They're too disciplined to, you know, they're going to look at stuff like that. So um, that was just the, the story of the game. But th- think about how amazing it is that we were, it was pretty much still a game the entire game, despite. Despite that, yeah. Despite that. I, McCaffrey did his thing. Right, McCaffrey's he McCaffrey. Didn't, he didn't give up. Uh, like we said, the defense played decent enough uh, after after those miscues, after they shored up the coverage problems that they had, right. uh, particularly that one member of the secondary <laughs> had. Um, Mr. Toast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the game was was within reach, but never close in but a ne- weird kind of way. In a, yeah. weir- in a very weird way. Yes, yeah, sir. I, I, right, I agree. If the Panthers score before the half, then they're only down one score. They get the ball back. Of course, they turn the ball over. This game could have easily been tied in the third quarter, man. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but it was not. The closest the Panthers got was near the end. Um, and by that time, by, by the time Kyle Allen decided to play football in the fourth quarter, it's too late because the defense is tired. Chris Carson didn't get a lot of carries during the game, but in the fourth quarter, he had didn't enough, need him. Didn't need him. Fourth yeah. quarter had enough energy to close this thing out, man. Yeah, so just uh, so just another just a just, uh, this season we wanted to end so bad. I just We're, can't I mean, wait till it's over. Yeah. I just want it to be over, man. So the Panthers are going to are guaranteed another losing season with the loss today. Uh, that would That's be three now back to back losing seasons, which oddly has not happened since Cam's second year. I believe so. And one of those years, we still went to the playoffs. No, that well, no, we had we had had a winning record the year before uh, that. We went twelve and four and lost to San Francisco in the playoffs. Correct. That is so correct. the last time the Panthers had Panthers had back to back losing seasons was Cam's rookie year in his sophomore season yeah after that it's been winning season losing season winning season losing season winning season losing um, season and now another losing season it, it's I, I have a question well i don't know okay so after the third turnover we kept asking why isn't will greer in the game it's easily now it's easy for the Panthers to justify that now because it, the score ended up being close but any other scenario where your quarterback has this third or fourth turnover, it's like, all right, man, we need it's, to see. And it's not like – I, I, I honestly, I can't think – I'm trying to think of a reason. Especially you're the interim coach. Just, it's not like you're going to be here next you're year. You're not going to be here next year. It, Play Will Greer. Uh, and I'm not even like – I'm not like a big Will Greer supporter. Please don't mistake at, that. Yeah, at this point, what – What do you have to lose, What do you have man? to lose? What do you I have mean, to lose? What do you have to lose? Um – I mean, okay, so like in the NHL or or any level of hockey, your goalie gives up four goals. He's gonna get yanked. He gets yanked in from any the game. Scenario, I don't care. In any scenario, I don't care if it's Dominic Hasek out there, right? Or Patrick Raw, <laughs> Patrick Raw, anybody, any uh, Hall of Fame goalie. They have four. They give up four goals. They're gone. In the NFL, we routinely see quarterbacks. Now, I, I, hey man, quick side note. Yes, really quick side note. You'd be proud of me this week, man. 
I watched the you hurricane. watched the hurricanes. I watched the hurricanes. Oh, this was a great week to watch the canes. They, they went they, four they, and they, one in the yeah, last man. five games. Some exciting games. Yeah, man. Uh, and even the loss was an overtime loss, so we still got a point. Um, yeah. yeah, congratulations. Yeah, man. man. I, yeah. Hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to make it a thing now, good, man. Because yeah. it's not like we have anything to look forward no, to on Sunday. Not, yeah. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, um, <laughs> one, one more thing about the game. Me, me and you talked about this off camera. And, you know, the simple question was asked What are we playing for? What's technically, we're not playing for anything. But specifically, what are the players playing for? And, we were asking, you know, what what is David Tepper and Marty Herney looking at? And we, we surmised that they're looking at the players who are going out there who still want to win, right. who still want to compete. And if you look at that as a whole, if we're being fair, look, me and Kaiser, we have a lot of negative feelings for the Panthers <laughs> right now, if you can't tell. But if we're being objective and we put that to the side, man, I, we, can, we can honestly say that they competed today, man, that most of our guys really I did compete today. I, I think there was one point where I think we felt like they might have given up. But the turning point was actually that sack fumble that was overturned. Right. That for right. that, which was a terrible call right. uh, from the neutral zone infraction yeah. on Gerald McCoy. But it was overturned, and I think that fired the Panthers up. They got mad, and they were mm. like, hey, look, hey, we can come out. We can hit these guys in the mouth. Uh, to be fair, Seattle is a much better team than Carolina is, right. particularly at the quarterback position. But it just goes to show how much the quarterback position counts in every level of football, but especially the NFL. And I, and I, I think you'd agree with this. I think a part of our – frustration today is you look at how we played in spots and you're just like where has this been Damn, the last yeah. month yeah, like yeah. why couldn't you guys put this together the last five and it, weeks? it makes it hard to get like uh you know uh trey boston intercepted uh, uh so a pass from the wide receiver but we weren't, yeah, we weren't right. even excited about it it was kind of like eh, <laughs> uh, yeah and where? then kyle allen throws an interception <laughs> the very next play so because we knew we knew it was gonna happen we didn't even get excited over the interception we was like eh. this is it's it's a Guys, this is a very weird game to try to uh, uh, analyze. So bear with us, please. So well, actually, you know what? Let's <laughs> let's push that game out of the way. I want to talk about one particular facet yeah. of the game, and that'll lead us to our, our next discussion topic: Dante Jackson. Yeah. So last week, Dante Jackson um, made some comments about play calling of the coaching staff. Uh, his exact words were that they were two horrible calls. He was specifically talking about the um, the all-out blitz right. that the Panthers called when the Falcons were backed up on their one-yard line right. uh, late in the first half, and Matt Ryan throws a 93-yard touchdown. So I'm just going to call him out. Scott Fowler from the Charlotte Observer, of course, made this a story and ran with it. And our sources, yes, we have sources. We have locker room sources that under construction told us that Scott Fowler is uh, up to – to quote a comedian, a habitual line stepper <laughs> in the locker room. He goes into the locker room and he tries to instigate storylines by injecting negativity uh, into the locker room. And this whole thing with Dante Jackson's comments got blown out of proportion. Right. And he even, uh, but Dante Jackson did come out and say, hey, Omeo is a little out of line with those comments. And I think, I feel like the truth was somewhere in the middle. However, if you make, regardless of the context of the comment, you cannot say, "Well, he called some bad plays," and then play the way you played today. Here's a here's a little caveat to that. So, speaking of that particular scenario, number one, where's the lie? 
as far as the play call. As far as the play call. If we're yeah. just talking about the play call, where's the line? We even said it during the game. Why, right. would, you, why would you blitz everybody? Now. But number two, here's what has here's what was not reported in that particular scenario. Dante Jackson took accountability yes. for his missed tackle on that play. He told our source that, hey, at the same time, if I if I make the tackle, I, he basically said I should have made that play, even though I did not agree with the play call. Absolutely. So what's getting lost in translation and all of this, and and, and trying to make Dante Jackson look like the bad guy is accountability. Accountability. He took yep. accountability for his misplay. So he did, and and um, I think he was just trying to say we all know this is why coaches in every sport, uh, this is why they're important. The coach's job is to put the players in the best position. To right. make the play. Right. We always talk about, you know, well, the players got to execute, which is fair enough. Which is it, true. But, but if you don't put the position, the player in the position to give him a chance to execute, you, you're going to put Dante Jackson on. A, that's a hard cover. For, I don't care if you're Richard Sherman, Daryl Revis in his prime. That's just a hard cover one on one. Especially when you're undersized corner. It's exactly, not like he's the yeah. tallest guy, man. And you're asking the, uh, a not so tall guy to cover right. somebody. Come on, man. That's, However, having said that, you still got to make the play. Today, I'll give him a pass on that. That we're going to pass last week, but, but today, this week you got roasted four times. Three of those led to touchdowns. Okay, the DK Metcalf touchdown, great throw, great throw. He's right there. The receiver, you know, is much bigger, much more physical. Dante Jackson was just out of it. There's no way, right? And, can't fault and, him too much. And I, I, I got, I'll fault the coaching staff on that. You right. can't put Dante Jackson in single coverage against and, 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 that guy. And no safety help. Yeah. So, however, every but, other play, there that, was one play. Uh, Tyler Lockett wide open because Dante Jackson decided to go help uh, on the seam where Eric Reed already was. I don't. I don't. I don't understand I, I, that. It, it to to me it. What what do we call Dante Jackson every week? Boom or bust or yep. bust, and that may have been a situation where you know how we'll 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 take a Hornets player who likes to overhelp on a screen and roll. Yes, that was Dante Jackson was trying, Dante, to yeah. help, <laughs> trying to overhelp, trying to overhelp on yeah. pass coverage. Just stay where you are assigned Absolutely. at, buddy. You don't have to do everything, man. No, I, and it's you know I. He's one of those guys. Sometimes ball hawks in the NFL are like that. You know, you can't go for the ball every time. You have to play. He, and he's the poster child, man. He is. I mean, and when he makes a play, it's, it's great. great. It's, it's awesome. We love him. When but he, right. Most of the time, and and that's one of the we talked about this during the game. Maybe he's better in the slot. Right. I said I wasn't going to say this on the podcast because I felt like, um, it, but I'm going to say it. If Josh Norman is available at the end of the season, bring him back. Just see what he got. You know you're gonna get roasted. For I that. know I am, but 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 I mean, but Jackson let, can't play the outside. Let's let's add some context to that before people get mad at us. Mm-hmm. So for those you know, Panthers play a lot of cover, a ton of cover three, Con-tun and a cover ton three. of cover two. Yep. Josh Norman is the perfect fit within that system, system if right. we're still going to do that. So if you have a out uh, a guy as fast as Dante Jackson playing the slot, that works out better for both parties. Absolutely, because uh, Russ Cockrell, although Russ Cockrell has had some ups it, and downs yeah. this season, but he's had a solid but season. Imagine Bradbury on the outside, side, right. Josh Norman on the other side, and then you got Jackson in the slot. I think. I think that's better than what we got now. I agree, man. So why I not agree. try? I mean, especially if the Redskins end up cutting 
uh, Josh Norman, which, which all looks signs like point they might. To. Then we're off the hook for the rest of his contract. We can bring him back on the cheap. He wants to play somewhere. We know Josh Norman didn't want to leave. Us. Yeah, I mean, we're what three seasons removed from his Pro Bowl season. Give him a chance, or uh, you got to do something at the cornerback situation. Right. Situation. You cannot allow Dante Jackson to continuously get burned every week. Right. So. Uh speaking of coaching, yeah, <laughs> would. A better coach have made a difference today. Come on, man! A- absolutely not. With this talent, a- 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 absolutely not. Really, dude. you don't think uh, it- you don't think Scott Turner said to Kyle Allen, "Hey, dude, all right, I need you to throw right in double coverage. <laughs> just throw it there, man. Just make the throw. Believe in yourself." You, I, 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 you just threw me an alley oop. I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> because. Look at the game Scott Turner called today because ideally it was a great. I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought it was a great play calling day from Scott Turner. He was very imaginative. It was creative. Look at how many jet sweeps we saw look how, and look how successful they look were. Look how successful yeah. they were. You can't do it every play, yeah. though. Yeah. But you can't blame him either because. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Kyle Allen threw four passes in the first quarter, and we see why now. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So. So to answer your question, the proof is in the pudding. No, no, so, it's not going to help. So next season, when a new co- permanent coach is installed, should the Panthers be looking or thinking rebuild? Because essentially he's going to have the same roster. The difference is going to be a possibly healthy Cam Newton, right. which is really going to be weird because yeah. a healthy Cam Newton comes back and the Panthers are playoff contenders. And then we'll all say, well... See, <laughs> we did need a new coach after all. Um, I'm not going to answer your question directly. I'm I'm going to say this: I would not want to be Marty Herney. That's all I'm going to say. Um, even Marty, though, Marty Herney might not even be Marty he, Herney he, next he, year. He, he might be even, back on the couch. He might be back on the couch next year. But whoever the GM will be for the Carolina Panthers this summer, I wouldn't want to be them because there's so much to think about, man. And 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 your plans are so contingent right. on one player, one player where you're not sure how he, how his health is going to be coming into the season, how prepared he's going to be, because let's keep in mind, this, we're going to be, what, a year removed from him not playing on the football field. So there's a lot of – there's a ton of questions, man. I There's no yes or no answer to that question, man. I think the Panthers should take a hard look at Teddy Bridgewater. I agree. Um, I don't uh, – Drew Brees ain't going anywhere for another few years. Um, he, you know, we saw what Bridgewater did in the absence of Drew Brees. You got an athletic quarterback who can make the throws. He he's gonna, he wants to start somewhere, and Teddy Bridgewater deserves to. And and the thing is, if, if we're looking at how essentially David Tepper was pretty aggressive in wanting a, a backup plan to Cam Newton by drafting right. Will Greer, I'm pretty. I'm a. I bet. All the money I have, he's going to be aggressive in looking for uh, oh, a better repl- a, a better yeah. contingent plan at quarterback. He's going to say he's going to want someone. Okay, if Cam doesn't work, if if health, we never see healthy Cam again, right? Then we need some because Kyle Allen is not the answer. Now, Kyle Allen is obviously not it, man. We don't know if Will Greer is, but essentially, if you put Will Greer in next year, that's almost like a rebuild right. at that point. Pretty you much, know? right? Um, right. You're going to ask really ask a rookie quarterback to get you to the playoffs, right? And you know, probably. Will Greer probably and not the guy to do Which it. brings me to another point. I don't think rebuild 
is in David Tepper's vocabulary. No, absolutely not. I yeah. don't, man. Just judging from everything he said since he's been here. I think he wants to keep Cam. He made comments earlier, you know, that he would like to keep Cam, and but I think that's totally dependent on Cam's health. Yeah. Of course it is. Right. So, um, um, I got two more words for this topic. <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh. I don't disagree. Let's make it happen. I don't. Let's make it happen. Di- oh, actually, I'm going to throw another one out. Right. Rob Chudzinski. Yeah. Bring Chud back. Bring Chud. Bring Chud back. back. Yes, give him another shot. I, I, for y'all who don't remember what Chud did his first two seasons with Cam Newton, look at what he's doing with Indianapolis as the offensive coordinator with Andrew Luck gone. They really hadn't missed a, a, a beat. Uh, Jacoby Brissett injured, and yep. they're still doing well I, don't, I say who who go. never got a fair shot in never, Cleveland yeah, but we're talking about well, Cleveland, Cleveland so yes. you know yeah bring Chud back bring Chud back okay all right so uh <laughs> we'll be right back we gotta have a word from my sponsor anchor.fm and we're back yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a little something, something a little more positive to talk yeah, about. Yeah, man, I can smile while talking yeah. about this segment. Yeah. The Charlotte Hornets, the lovable Charlotte the Hornets. Hornets. Yes, yeah. went three and one last week. They play here in about fifteen minutes against the Indiana Pacers. So, uh, so the worst they could do this week is three and two. Uh, they pulled out a uh, a win against. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, I forgot. Uh, Chicago, uh, Brooklyn, and who was the first one? Good Lord have mercy. We are in Washington. There. Washington, thank yes, you. Yes, Washington. I'm so sorry about that. Yes. Uh it was it's actually Washington, Brooklyn, and then uh Chicago. Yes. Uh three great games in which we saw Dante Graham explode. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but we saw a lot of interesting stuff from these three games and how they got those wins. Yeah. Um we Most saw an uptick in defensive tenacity. Um the, they were kind of sparked by the return of Michael K. Gilchrist. Yes. Um, which was, you know, kind of sub, uh, surprising. But Devontae Graham was the engine that, that made the team go, um, especially after his 40-point game. Uh, you know, he's been the media darling this past week. Who, who would have thought the Hornets would have a media darling this season? I, which is odd. It took Kimball Walker years to be – to get the kind of press that Devontae Graham is getting. Right. And I think that's because Devontae Graham, you don't have any choice but to eat crow right. about what you thought right. about Devontae Graham or the Charlotte Hornets in general. Right. A lot of people were picking us to be the worst team in the league. And thanks to Devontae Graham, we're not. It, 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 and then people love narratives. And the narrative that's going to follow the Bobcats, Hornets, and Michael Jordan for the next 30 years for some people is the Hornets and Bobcats drafting. Draft, draft Adam Morrison, uh, uh, whoever else, whatever. But when it comes to Devontae Graham, who was drafted in the second round, there's, nothing, there's nowhere to go. So, you, yeah. <laughs> well, so some media outlets are reporting that Michael Jordan was heavily involved in the decision to bring Terry Rozier here. Right. Therefore, the blame lies with Jordan if Terry Rozier didn't work out. Right. But, however, but that doesn't mean he wasn't heavily involved to draft Devontae Graham or PJ Washington. How come we're only, we on, we're only tying Michael Jordan <laughs> to the negative narratives that we want to tie him to? Hey, hey man, it, you can't have both. It sells more, man. But back to the Hornets in this week. So, the Washington game, something called David Bertans. Oh, my God, does his best Larry Bird against I the Hawks in joke. person. 
And um, it kind of set the tone for the week of the Hornets. And here's what I mean by that, man. It was another game where we had another lead and another lead gets another lead got dissipated because this guy's just going ape crap against us, right? Right. But it's another game where we showed some guts and we made we 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 limited our our turnovers uh, specifically in the fourth quarter. Here's another caveat that is something very interesting when it comes to that game. There was about a 5 to 8 minute stretch where Michael Kidd Gilchrist was guarding Bertans. Mm-hmm. Bertans didn't get a shot up. I'm not making this up. He didn't get a shot off. JB inexplicably sits Michael Kidd Gilchrist down and goes with he it was kind of like people were guarding Bertans by committee. Right, yeah. It was Miles Bridges, it was Terry Rozier, it was somebody else and Bertans is goes apeshit against us. We gutted it out and we finally win a close game. Now, fast forward to the Brooklyn game. We're down 20 to the Brooklyn Nets. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, a plus 14 in that game. We come back and win that game. Yes, I'm on a pro Michael Kidd Gilchrist agenda this week, man. Uh, I, I mean, I know you've, you've always been a fan of MKG, and I felt like he's gotten a raw deal with the Hornets only because well, with fans. Only because of his draft position, right? We're, we were bitter that we didn't that we missed out on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, and right. Michael K. Gilchrist was our consolation prize. And there were some other better players yeah, there in were, the draft. There were. That, Br- Bradley Bill, Bradley should have Bill, been, yeah, yeah. Um, but having said that, Michael Gig Kil- K. Gilchrist has always had value to the Hornets defensively. Right. He's been our best defender the entire time. The that, entire time he's been uh, here. That he's really. been here. Yeah, and um, I think. You know, JB and his coaching staff, they're looking at the film and they're saying, OK, what, what are we missing here? Why are we not winning? And they're realizing that, you know, JB is he, he wants the Hornets to be more offensive minded because they've always been a defensive minded team right. under Clifford. So pick the pick the pace up, uh, up some run high tempo, shoot a lot of threes. If you have guys like Michael Kidd Gilchrist in your lineup, you really can't do that as much. But I think JB saw, well, but you know what? Look where we are defensively, though. We're unable to have right. a high tempo because we're not stopping we're anybody. We're not stopping Because the ball is coming out of the opposing team's goal oh, right. instead yeah. of your so, rebounding. So, yeah, yes. so now we have to take the, the ball out in the backcourt and advance it to halfcourt rather exactly. than get a rebound and then push the tempo. So, exactly. So, uh, so I, the, the funny thing is that JB gets a lot of criticism for shuffling rotations. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is he's still trying to figure out what works here. Right. And if anyone out there says, besides Jamal, because I didn't hear anybody else saying, you know what, he needs to bring MKG in. I said it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I didn't really hear that from, from, any, anybody, from else. anybody. So No, everybody else wants to get rid of him, like trade yeah, him tomorrow. Yeah, dump, you know yeah, what I mean? dump him off. So One, one more one more note about that 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 Brooklyn game, man. You know, I mentioned he was <clears throat> he was plus fourteen while they were on the court. Here was something that did impress me about JB and his handling of MKG. Okay, MKG comes in the game right, and he misses two wide open threes. He makes one. He made his first one. Then he misses his uh, wide open threes, and he's missing them. And I'm like, I'm cringing. Because I'm rooting for him and I really want him, I want him to start making these shots. But I'm cringing like, 
God, man, you know, you're not making, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors by missing wide open shots, man, because now they can say, well, right. can't stretch the defense because you can't make a shot. Right. And I'm just like, come on, kids, you got to make these shots. But the, what I'm impressed with JB is that he didn't give up on MKG after those two missed shots. He let him play. He let him play his game. And as the game went along, MKG got more comfortable. So, you know, guys going to come after you. Right. Because that's fine. Because. JB has shown a propensity to yank players when they're not performing well. Particularly, I know where you're going with particularly, this. Particularly, you know, guys like Malik Monk. I'll tell you the or, difference or in a Cody minute. I, well, I was going to say, to me, the difference is that MKG brings a lot more than what he Thank lacks you. offensively. Thank you. He's not doing more to hurt you. But, than exactly. He, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. It, it, the only real knock on MKG uh, besides his contract is that before, yes, he could not stretch the floor. In the NBA, you got your wing got to be able right. to stretch the floor. Got to be able to shoot at least hit the corner three. But he's kind of added that to his arsenal. I'm not saying that he's gonna like yeah, we, we're light not it up and shoot thirty percent. Right, right, yeah, right, but right, right. you know, if he's sitting out on the corner, open, I, you pass it to him. You, right, I, you tell I'm, him to shoot it. Yeah, I'm happy with him taking that shot. Whereas other guys on the team that have a shorter leash have a shorter leash because they typically do things that will hurt the team. On both ends of the floor. He, Michael, he, MKG might have missed two open shots, but he also wasn't dribbling into three people and throwing some outlandish <laughs> pass that ends up in a turnover right. and a fast break. So there's the difference right there. There is the difference. So, so we got we got one more game to talk about in this stretch, which I thought was hilarious. So did you know that a 90s throwback game happened? Uh, what was it, Saturday, Friday I'm sure night? it wasn't a 1960s throwback <laughs> game. The score was like 53 to 40. I, I thought I was looking at a high school game. Boy, that was ugly. Because well, I, I, I came into the game late, and I just saw the box score on my phone before I got home, and I thought, this can't be right. It was ugly, This man. can't be correct. It was ugly, man. But those are the kind of games the Hornets got to win. Yeah. You got to win the ugly ones. You got to win the ugly ones, ones too. Especially against, against bad teams. Yep. Uh, I think both teams shot. Um, 30s. Yeah, the Hornets shot 21% from three-point three. yep. range. That's just – here's the thing. That's not going to happen every night. Right. It's not. That's just – One more. I, I got to give JB props for another coaching move he made. What I was going to say. In that, in that Bulls game. So, our belovable white goofy-looking center that our fans <laughs> love to trash every time they get Mr. Cody Zeller. Okay. Screen God. Screen God. So, Bismack Biyombo was in the game, right, who probably was our best player in that first half, right. believe that or not. Second half, Jim Boylan, Chicago Bulls coach, he makes an adjustment where Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier were, were getting trapped on the perimeter. So what was happening is since we play, uh, you know, high post offense, Bismack is at the top of the key, so he's the first one to get the ball. Jim Boylan made an adjustment. He said, we're going to trap the guards and we're going to make Bismack Biyombo a playmaker. Anybody who knows basketball knows how that's going to work out. Mm, yeah. Not very well yeah, at all. Yeah. Our offense completely stalled out, which – Look at the score. It's right. not, you know, that's pretty obvious. JB makes an adjustment. He said, you know what? All right, I'm going to sacrifice the quote unquote rim protection and the rebound. And I got to bring Cody back in because we got to score. Right. Cody comes in the game and immediately, it is an immediate change to the offense. We start hitting threes. Cody gets the ball at the top of the key. He even threw an alley oop to Miles Bridges. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was like, what in the world is this, man? Like, the offense just opens up, and we essentially close the game on like an 11 2 run or something like that. I believe Cody had a double double that game. 
Uh, and what's on top of all that, he actually rebounded and defended very well in that in that stretch too, which we, you know, I don't think anybody was expecting yeah, that, but we got it from him. So. 11-10, uh, one for three from three. That's, yeah. I mean, here's the thing about people feel like the Hornets need a big man to take that next step, which they do, but I don't want people to think that we need a big man as a centerpiece. Right. We need a big man the way the right. Golden State Warriors needed a big man. Exactly. We just need a guy to clog up the paint who can run the floor, grab rebounds and alter shots. We don't need – that's, you know, the Hornets said they weren't interested in Andre Drummond. Thank God. Thank God. Thank um, God. But a lot of people felt like we needed somebody like him. No, we don't We don't want – we tried the Dwight Howard experiment. It didn't work. You see how that worked out. And, and if you look at contending NBA teams, they almost never have a center – as the centerpiece right. of their offense. Yeah, you've got some guys like Anthony Davis or Giannis Tanamakupo. Did I say that? No, I don't somebody help not. me out here. But um <laughs> but those guys aren't real like Anthony Davis isn't really a five. Right. He's really right. uh like a Tim Duncan kind of right. kind of guy. Right. So uh the the Hornets don't uh, don't need it. Look, if you get a Giannis and Anthony Davis talent available to you, of oh, course ta- you take yeah, it all take day. It, yeah. Of course you take yeah. it all day. Please don't get it twisted. But what 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 you what you're saying is is that unless we get that kind of talent available to us, you get a guy who just who's who's a good glue guy to what you already have. Right. Sometimes and you and you damn sure don't mortgage the future. Right. Tr- trying Sometimes to go get you it, can so. uh you know disrupt i mean look at look at our ability to score right this is probably <laughs> besides friday night besides friday but <laughs> but otherwise you got we got two guys averaging 18 points a game one one guy's averaging 20 points a game which we said the hornets have not had two people average over 18 points a game since since al jefferson, since al jefferson was a starter yeah so uh so we've got that pj washington can score. He can score. In fact, I wish he'd shoot the ball a little more, but and, he's trying to settle and stay into out of foul trouble. Stay out of foul trouble. Right. I think Miles Bridges can score. Um, just needs to be more consistent. Just needs to be more consistent. So I think if we're like, well, we need a big man that can score. Don't disrupt our best playmakers and scorers right. by having a big man clog up the offense. We just need a guy, a guy. Who again, can, look, a guy like Cody, honestly. But look, it, look again, you get you got Anthony Davis talent. You go, hey, go right ahead. But just again, just don't go out and break the bank or absolutely. mortgage the future for it, man. Ab- absolutely. So um, it's going to be real interesting to see what the Hornets do with Cody Zeller at the end of his contract. I think we've said this before. I think another team will probably overpay for him. I don't see the Hornets making him a big offer. I don't no. think they necessarily should. But they got to find uh, a younger, fresher version yeah. of him that's more consistent. Most most definitely. I totally so, agree. Also, speaking of P.J. Washington, uh, injury, injury, fractured finger. Yeah, He's going to miss man. at least, they what say, at bummer. least five games. Bummer, bummer, bummer. Um, yeah. yeah um, that sucks, man. That really, really, really sucks. That, and that's, I think it's going to hurt us, too. I do. I agree. I do. I, I really do. So, all you Nick Batum fans. <laughs> Oh, God. Gonna gonna see you, man. All right, so we said this when we were off camera. If you look at the stats, and Vince last week was trying to figure out why this is. If you look at the stats, you can use surface stats, you can use advanced stats, you can use whatever stats. stats. Nick Batum is the best option. Which is sad. On the floor. But it's He is, yeah. His his, uh, opponent field goal percentage is one of the best on the team. Uh 
you know, it, he we we know what he can do. He's kind of like the Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Right. But who would you rather have on the floor, him or Cody Martin? Cody, Cody Martin. Martin. Cody Martin. All Every day. day, all day. What, what what is one of my favorite sayings, Kaiser? Stats tell the truth, but they don't always tell the entire story. They do not. And no. Nick Batum is the poster child. And especially in the NBA where box stats, uh, even you know the, the guys who come up with advanced metrics will say that there's a lot of things in basketball that you just simply cannot put on you can't a quantify, stat sheet. Right. You absolutely cannot, especially on the defensive end. So, um, so knowing that um, – I think JB is starting to to see like man, there's something different about the team yeah. when MKG and Cody, and Cody Martin, Martin are out right there because right. those guys are going to give their all every play. Hey man, 100 hustle. Cody Martin hit a three Friday night. Oh yeah, encouraging. Yeah, yes, yeah. about time. Uh, we'll see. Welcome to the NBA. All right, so knowing that, that PJ <laughs> Washington is is gone for the next five games, um, that includes the game they're about to play now against Indiana. What are your predictions for the Hornets next week? They have today at Indiana, um, Tuesday, Sacramento at home, Wednesday, road back-to-back against Cleveland, and then they have a few days off, then they play Saturday versus Utah in Charlotte, and then next Sunday at 6 p.m., they travel all the way to Boston to take on Kimball Walker and the Celtics. How do you think that's going to go? That's five games. That's five, including today, including today against Indiana. I'm going two and three. Two and three? Yeah. Um, I think we'll get Sacramento and Cleveland. Same. I agree. Um, I think today's a crapshoot. Either that I, or. You know what? I would have picked today if P.J. Washington wasn't out. Absolutely. I, I think we could have got Indiana again. I think um, not having P.J. Washington is going to hurt us a little bit. I think we have enough to take down. Sacramento and Cleveland. It's the only thing that sucks about that is the back-to-back row back-to-backs are tough. Yeah, but yeah. you know the Hornets are used to that. The way the schedule. It's a, it's a younger team has, too. Yeah, I, I think they're fine. I, I don't think that bothers them uh, all that much. So we'll see how those predictions look. Last week's predictions, we were like all wrong. Yeah, Hornets except Rodney. Rodney. Rodney was the yes, optimistic Rodney, one who Rodney, actually was right. Yeah, Rodney was correct in his. Uh, I picked the safe pick. I picked two and two. Same. Uh, so Jamal, I think Vince, Vince was one. He picked one, one and three. One and three. Yep. So uh, we were wrong. Like that is the narrative with the Hornets this season. Just we're never. all wrong. Everybody's wrong <laughs> Everybody's on everything. Wrong. Everybody's wrong on everything. On everything. No matter what it is, if it's about the Hornets, you were wrong. You were wrong. Just, Whatever you said yes, about the Hornets, you were wrong. You were wrong. Including yep. us. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so we'll be right back after another word from my sponsor, Anchor.fm. And we're back. So we got something different for our culture segment today. We're going to talk about crime in Charlotte. And for our first Big topic, money. We, yeah, uh, this was an interesting <laughs> case. Uh, that's a good, that's a nice way to yeah, put it. Florida man might soon be replaced by <laughs> Charlotte <Trump>. man. <laughs> Charlotte man, Orlando Henderson. By the way, you might know this guy. Somebody knows. Somebody him. knows. Yeah, him. We live in Charlotte. Somebody yeah. knows somebody that knows him. Um, Orlando Henderson was arrested by FBI agents for stealing $88,000 in cash from a Wells Fargo bank that he worked at in Charlotte. Um, 
They said. So you're saying there's a new position open? There is. Yeah. Somebody needs a job. Somebody needs a job. Uh, Those background checks are going to (laughs) be probably hella tough. Make sure you're clean out there. Um, They said at least on 18 occasions this year, he stole cash from the bank vault and then later deposited the money into his own account using a nearby ATM. Um, He destroyed uh, documents and made falsified documents in the bank books to cover up the theft. What he was doing specifically is, uh, you know, businesses make cash deposits to the bank. Right. He was one of the people responsible for making sure those cash deposits got into the vault. He was pocketing those deposits and then falsifying the books to make it look like the deposits had been made. Right. So this isn't how he got caught. <laughs> the feds were on to him. If you do something like that, they'll be on to you fairly quickly. But this is what sealed his case. <laughs> is that he was flashing the money on social media, <laughs> on, Facebook. on Facebook and Instagram. He bought oh, a man. brand new c-class mercedes it was a nice car too very nice oh, you know man. i love mercedes yeah it was nice bought a brand new c-class oh, mercedes man. using twenty thousand dollars cash down payment 30 who was was it 30 it was 30 yeah yeah that's kids Kid. <laughs> if you're gonna commit crimes i'm not saying you should but we we, you, we here under construction do not um we don't we condone, don't condone illegal activity. Yes, absolutely however, not. Even though money stolen from the bank is insured by the FDIC, however, and, and it's a victimless crime. However, <laughs> if you're going to do that, <laughs> don't Please. don't post oh, it. And of Lord. course, I hate to say this, I hate to say this on our podcast, but it's a black dude. You you, you stole the word. <laughs> Look, man. I, I I had some reservations about doing this today for one reason, as as absolutely stupid as this was, dumb as dumb as this was. Okay, I did not want to show yet another black male in this light. Absolutely, yeah. I, I didn't because Lord have mercy, that young man's Facebook page is getting lit up as we speak. Oh yeah. Oh, it's if you need a good laugh. If you need a good laugh, go man. Ahead. And the thing is, I, 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 there was a part of me that felt bad about saying that, but when I went to the Facebook page, it's like, well, the cat's out the bag. We're not really. Oh no. Yeah. It, it, we're not exposing anything that people don't know about. Yeah, no, man. Right. You know what I mean? So. So uh, here's here's a couple of things, man. I don't know. We obviously don't know this young man from a can of paint. I I surmise, I, I imagine that he didn't come from much. Okay, right. I'm gonna just guess, just a guess. And the danger with that is when you mix young men who don't come from much, who probably have seen money in other places, mm-hmm. who crave attention specifically social media attention because we know how addictive social media attention is especially for young people Mm -hmm. okay when you mix all that together you get this yes now this is an extreme example don't get me wrong i we're i'm definitely not saying we see stuff like this every day i just want to point to a bigger issue the lust for currency will have you sleeping with the devil. One of my favorite MCs said <laughs> yeah. that one time. Here we are. Here we are. Just, I just. It's disappointing. It's yeah. It's it's, it's, it's you almost have to laugh to keep from crying right, about it. Right. Because um, although everyone has a choice, okay, but I do understand that for some people, uh. 
you are driven to crime mm-hmm. uh, as a means to survive. As a means, right. Now, I don't know if that was the case with him. But see. But the, 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 <laughs> the way he went about at, about it afterwards. It was, meant, pa- it was past survival at that right. point. Right. That's what makes it. It was clout. <laughs> it was clout after it a while. It was like, hey, I'm going to show myself with. And y'all you know, on this Instagram, the Instagram page stacks of money. That, I'm mean, talking like, like it almost looked fake. Yeah, it didn't even. It, he had the audacity. One of his IG posts to put, uh, "I make this look easy, but trust me, it's a it's process. a process." Like, yeah, oh, it's a process. Oh, it's a like, process. All right, yeah. you got to fake. You got to <laughs> falsify books. You, you got to change deposit slips. Oh, it's a process, buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't look. Yeah, it wasn't that easy. Um, and like I said, uh, don't get it twisted. He didn't get caught because of this. The feds were already on to him. Right. You got to realize that. Yeah, money that's insured by the federal government. They're going to keep tabs on all of that. And, they, and, you, and you best believe they're going to get that back, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're getting that back. The Mercedes is back the at, Mercedes at, is back at, at Felix Sabatis' Mercedes. <laughs> Felix Sabatis is like, God. Do I have to give it back? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, ultra disappointing there. And, you know, I, that's... I, I just want to reiterate, man. We we look, man. Social media is callous. It, it loves calling people out, but when you do stuff like this, you gotta know what you're gonna get. You get what you I'm got, saying. I don't know if you guys remember, especially when you're so, for lack of a better term, kind of arrogant about it. Right. You yeah. get, there's a picture of this young man. I, I'm not making this up, dude. I'm not making this up. There's a picture of this young man in front of his car. With another stack of money with a gun right next to the car with a state trooper parked in the in the doggone background on, of the man. picture. I'm not I'm not gonna preach. I'm not one of these people that preaches do better. I'm just saying do better. Do better. <laughs> just be like, you know. Okay. One serious point I want to talk about. So at some point this guy is gonna get arraigned and probably sentenced. And to be serious for a second here, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't, it's, it's disappointing this young man doesn't know. He's about to be a black man in the federal system. Yeah. The same county jail, the same state prison. This is the federalities, buddy. They're gonna try to make an example out of this young man. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the disappointing part, especially when he was so, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, flamboyant. Yes, <laughs> that is gonna uh, probably end up doing him in, um, th- because they're gonna look and say you weren't remorseful about these crimes. Right. You weren't even you do you weren't doing these crimes to provide for your family or survive. You went and bought a brand new Mercedes Benz and you posted yourself with pictures on Instagram uh, with the money. And it's sad because uh, this young man is well, he's twenty nine. He's not a young young he's man, but he, young. but but I mean he he's young enough, yeah. you know. Uh, he's and he's and he's old enough to know better. Uh, he's being charged with two counts of financial institution, uh, a financial institution, nineteen counts of theft, embezzlement, misapplication, and twelve counts of making false entries and transactional money laundering. He's facing forty years in prison and a million dollars in fines. Lord have mercy. Um, and guess what? And guess what? On top of all that, <laughs> if Ralph Lauren wanted to bust him for a copyright. Uh, to <laughs> he totally could. Yes, he could. <laughs> and in more somber uh, Charlotte crime news, yeah, uh, yeah. this past week uh, there was a, a tragic 
murder that happened in the yeah, community. Man. Scott Brooks, the owner of the Brooks Sandwich Shop, yeah. uh, was murdered, uh, shot and murdered outside of his shop. Uh, was that Wednesday yeah. morning, I believe? Uh, police currently have no leads or or no motives. Um, so we can add another shooting to the to the total to the murder total in Charlotte, and there was almost another one um, actually at the Smokey Joe's Cafe. Thirty-nine-year-old uh, Timothy Lavar Williams was charged with attempted uh, first-degree murder mm. uh, after shooting at two a.m. on Wednesday at Smokey Joe's Cafe. What is going on in Charlotte, man? Um, <clears throat> I hate that we have to keep talking about. This I hate topic, we have to keep talking about this topic, but in, um, unfortunately, it's tied to Charlotte culture right now, and that's very unfortunate to say, man. Um, I'm gonna keep banging this drum, and I'm gonna keep saying it until one day, hopefully, gets to the right person, and they'll finally understand it, man. When you have people who feel hopeless, when you have people who are struggling financially, when you have people who cannot find work. When you have people who are seeing other people with financial resources and outlets and jobs right. and, and being successful, it is a stressor. It is it, it, it is a stressor. It is something that will send people into depression. It is something that obviously affect people's mental health. That never gets talked about when you, when we talk about homicides and murders and crime and all that stuff. I'm, I mention this because I thoroughly believe. It all matters. Nobody just wakes up one day and says, I want to be a murderer. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's obviously some heat on people's back. There are some things that are, are stressing people out. And I don't get why our leaders that be don't understand that. This city has an obvious problem with upward mobility when it comes to brown people. There are, and it's not, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that these crimes are involved involving younger Minorities, you get what I'm saying? People who are not working, who don't have anything to do, who can't afford to rent. You get this. And right. I, and I don't understand why we don't understand that yet. I think the people people do understand it. We understand it. Right. Um, and I think some of the people uh, in positions to change something understand it. But as long as there is willful ignorance right. and cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. then nothing will nothing ever will change. change. People will always say, uh, detractors will say, um, well, you know, poverty and disenfranchisement is no excuse to commit crime. Everyone's got a choice, which uh, is, is true, on, but, but on, they don't. On the but, surface is on, true. Exactly. Right. On the surface is true. But to understand the human condition, sometimes you are pushed to the very edge of your means and you think, Hey, what, what do I got to do to, you know, plus it, we're not even talking about, uh, mental health right. issues right. to go through those kind of things that some people in our city and our country go through. And to think that these people don't, don't need help to right. know that there are, you know, there are other things they can do besides hurt, hurt themselves or others. Um, that's something that, that gets overlooked a lot. You'd be amazed at how many people don't realize that. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. like, right, so. Because it, it's to be fair, it sometimes it, it's hard it to 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 know what other people are going through. If everything's going fine, right. for you, everything's going fine for me. I don't understand what these people uh, what their problems. Are. So I, I want I want to talk more about uh <clears throat> you know the the you know Scott Brooks and, and Brooks's sandwiches as a business. We're talking about a business that is a bona fide Charlotte 
staple. Absolutely. This is an OG. Some of the best burgers in the city. Some of the city. best burgers in the city. Some of the nicest staff, including side mm-hmm. that, that that work in that establishment. And I when I, I, I want I, I think I speak for everybody when I say this. Not to be Captain Obvious, man, but I, I want justice swiftly promptly and effectively for whoever committed this crime man. and it's frustrating that we don't even have a lead up to this point where what's been since wednesday uh well the ninth the ninth so, okay so it, it, it's frustrating man I, I i really i really it's it's it I, senseless murders senseless, i mean we, we hate man. all murders but uh, when people are killed, we we try and make sense of it, and mm. we can't make any. Like, why would anyone do this? But and, and the truth, the truth of the matter is, most of the time it's not random. When when people are murdered, absolutely not. Mo- yeah. mo- most of the time, there's you know, not saying it's ever fair, but most of the time there's some kind of motive behind this. What what could possibly be the motive behind? taking scott from us yeah. other than a robbery really you, how much money is somebody carrying at 5 a.m in the morning right man? uh i just uh I, I i really i you know I, I of course i hope everyone that commits these kind of crimes can be brought to justice but i think the city of charlotte really needs this one uh to do some healing we, they still haven't um, solved the murder of the girl that was killed in Plaza Midwood right. two years ago yeah, now. Yeah, no yeah. leads on that. Right. It's, you know, the city is hurting because of these situations. Right. And, you know, it would do a lot to, to help bring uh, those people to justice. And that's going to be a good segue into the shout outs. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out and a shout at. My shout out is to Braxton Winston. Yeah, no and doubt. My shout at is at Ed Driggs. So both of these guys are city councilmen. I, let me disclaimer. I hate politicians. No, 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 no. Hate is too nice a word. I despise <laughs> politicians. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care about any of that. I don't trust anyone who is a politician. Okay? <laughs> Let me just put that out there. But Braxton Winston, if I'm going to put my trust into someone, It'd he's probably going to be him. Right. Because he was one of us. So during the uprising, he was out there with us right. getting you know, shot at with pepper spray yep. bullets and mace and all that he went through all that because he loved the city that he was in he wanted to make a difference and he said okay i i, I can make a change from the inside he, and he didn't talk he just he, he did right. yeah absolutely did. yeah so uh after so he actually knew scott brooks personally mm-hmm. um and was a uh, a regular patron of the brooks sandwich shop so at the most recent city council meeting he wanted to give his thoughts on that situation and in, in the situation as a whole uh, concerning the violent crime rate in Charlotte. So he spoke for about five minutes. He's speaking about uh, his personal relationship uh, with Scott Brooks and the impact that it, that he had on the community and what he felt. And after about five minutes, this, Councilman this butthole. Ed Driggs interrupted Braxton Winston and said, Mr. Winston, this is abuse. This is not a mere topic speech you are making right now. If we all talk like this, we would be in here for over an hour. I ask you to respect the rest of us and limit your remarks. Thank you. You can make that speech in a lot of places. Mm. So if you watch, there's a video of this, actually. And if you watch it, <laughs> Braxton Winston... <laughs> You could tell he didn't he didn't want to have a moment. We know what kind of moment. Right. But he didn't want to have a moment. And Remember, so that, he's yeah, Charlotte homegrown. Yep. So after he collected himself, he simply stated, I will make this speech 
right here, right now. He then asked Driggs uh, three times, when was the last time you had a friend that was murdered? Uh, Driggs only said, this is not the time. Winston, you know, said, uh, cheers to you. Um, other other councilmen felt like the Ed Driggs remarks were rude. Um, yeah, you don't say. And, and Mayor Vilyle's allowed, uh, you know, Braxton to continue uh, with what he was saying. So, like like we were saying before, the right people in power know what's going on in Charlotte and what these things mean to our community and what we have to do to try and change them. Right. But people like Ed Driggs are the ones that have the cognitive dissonance. I, I don't know Mr. Driggs from a can of paint. I imagine he's one of those people that are more worried about the development uh, in Noda and 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 what's going to happen with the Brooks right. business more than he is with the human life. Absolutely. I just I'm just taking his guess. Anyway, uh, shout outs, man. Shout out to Vince Rodney, man. You know, hey, man, we, we tried to hold this down the best as we could, man. It's 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 a weird feeling without y'all here, man. Um, other than that, man, uh, I, I, unfortunately my, my shout out was just going to be condolences to the Brooks family. That, yeah, absolutely. That's, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, man, just heartbreaking is, is just not strong a, a yeah. word of enough, man. So again, my, my condolences, uh, go out to the Brooks family, man. Um, outside of that, man, shout out to our continued supporters and yes. who, who realize why, it is important to support us, us here. Absolutely. We have this city in our best interest, man. So We certainly have this city in our best interest. So thanks to you guys. You guys, please take care of each other. And um, we'll see you again next week. Hopefully, we can start the show off on a positive note. We got the Colts next week. Rob Chodzinski. So we won't be starting the show off on a positive <laughs> Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. we'll go see. Hornets. Hey, we'll see y'all next week. Go y'all Canes. take care of each other. Yep, go Canes. Peace out. <laughs> I'm watching hockey this week, man. <laughs>